0: Welcome, hello. Uh, this is episode five of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. Welcome back. Surprise! Surprise! You made it back again. <laughs> but we are very glad you did. We <laughs> decided for episode five we were gonna do a little bit of a switch up here. We've been talking about true crime, but We definitely want to talk about a lot of different things, not just crime, so we have decided to talk about a building and potential ghost stories this episode. I think it's still crime related, kind of. It's spooky, that's for sure. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about the Whitney in Detroit, Michigan, if any of you are from the Michigan and Detroit area. You definitely are familiar with the place. I've never been there, but I definitely have heard the stories. So we'll kind of dive into a little bit of the history here, what it looks like now. And Sydney and I both watched a Ghost Hunters episode uh, at the Whitney. and talks. We'll, we'll talk about what they saw in Ghost Hunters as well and our thoughts and opinions on it
1: what they really saw
0: yes (laughs) so I guess we'll start diving into the history here so again mentioned Detroit Michigan it's known as the David Whitney Jr. house this house was commissioned by David Whitney Jr. to be built for him and his family David was a lumber baron who was at the time one of the wealthiest people in all of Michigan and he was the wealthiest man in Detroit. At the time of his death in 1900, he was actually worth more than $15 million at that time, which adjusted for today's amount of money is equal to about $388 million. So the man was rich. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So – Mr. Whitney was born in Watertown, Massachusetts on August 23rd, 1830, and by the time he was 27, he relocated to Detroit, and he was already established at this point. He had started a lumber company with his brother Charles. They oversaw it, and actually expanded all the way from Canada and the eastern coast to Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana. At one point in time, it was also the number one lumber company in the entire U.S. Pretty good job there, Mr. Whitney. He was also involved in various other ventures, including banking, real estate, steamships. Those are just a few to name. He had bought property in Detroit and turned it into what was once called the Grand Circus Park Building. It is actually now known as the David Whitney Building, It's apartments, lofts, and hotel rooms. It does still stand right by Grand Circus Park in Detroit. In 1860, David married Flora McLaughlin, and they actually had four kids one son and four daughters David C. Whitney, Flora Ann Whitney, Catherine Whitney, and Grace Whitney. The family had bought a home in 1870, so about 10 years after they were married in Detroit. But felt that it quickly fell out of date, so in eighteen ninety, Mr. Whitney hired a new architect to build them a new home. Gordon W. Lloyd was hired, and he had designed quite a bit of buildings in Detroit at this time. They also still stand, and it's very similar architect styles. The work began in eighteen ninety and cost about 400000 $400, dollars then, which would actually be about nine point five million dollars today can you imagine building a nine point five million dollar home
1: i wish i could build a home in general (laughs) that is it doesn't necessarily need to be a nine point five million dollar home but when you got nine dollars in your bank account you ain't doing much
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine building a million, a million let alone $9.5 million or $500,000 homes. So that's pretty mind-blowing to me. It was actually constructed using a unique granite. It's called rose-colored South Dakota jasper. It gives it like this pink hue. The Whitney House is for sure a mansion. <laughs> it has... And I'm going to just kind of cover the dimensions and some things on the house that were built. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. It is 22,000 square feet. It has 52 rooms, including 10 bathrooms. So, again, there's four kids and two parents. So, they all could use their own restrooms. Very nice. (laughs) Uh, 218 windows. 20 fireplaces, and numerous stained glass windows crafted by Tiffany's of New York. Also, fun fact, it was the first residential and home in Detroit to have an elevator for personal use. The elevator is still there today and still works.
1: I loved that for them. I loved that they wanted to put (laughs) an elevator in their home in 1890. Right? Because it's three floors,
0: so Mm -hmm. the fact that they couldn't walk up. Three sets of floors and need an elevator. I guess pretty interesting. You have the money to do it. Why not?
1: Yeah, if you're uber rich like that, like you don't even, you don't even care at that point. Let, you let 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 it- me take an elevator <laughs> to the third floor today.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm not walking anywhere. <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> so the Whitney's actually also spent an additional $250,000 on decorating and furnishing the home. Again, today, that would be about $6.2 million just on decorating the home after they built it, and another $300,000 on artwork from around the world. Again, $7.5 million today. (laughs) And they actually bought all this artwork, which I thought was pretty cool, on two different trips to Europe. Mr. Whitney was an avid art collector. I actually also have a quote from historicdetroit.org, and I thought they put it pretty well. I couldn't really change this at all, so I want to throw in this quote. All over the home, there are stone carvings of intertwining leaf motifs, grotesques, and David Whitney's initials. The roof is covered in slate tiles laid in a fish scale pattern. The Woodward Avenue elevation is a textbook example of Romanesque revival. Essentially, this style was preserved ideally for, like, churches and other non-residential buildings. It's, I don't want to say, like, grotesque, but they use that word already. It's a giant house. It looks very much like, I don't know how to phrase this. Have you seen pictures of it, Sydney?
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me in- and. <laughs> Uh, There's this. No one else is gonna know what I'm talking about. I feel like there's a house in like downtown Kenosha where I live, and it's like a funeral home, and that's what it reminded me of. But it's not the same at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's almost. It's Uh, creepy looking. It is creepy. But it was like super in style, I guess, and it was very. It like commands authority and and, not like. I guess was very, like, it shows how wealthy they are. So it was very in
1: style. Yeah. Very, very, very in style. I had actually read that the home itself was featured in many newspapers of the time, which was not common to have your home be featured in a newspaper, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, I was going to say, I saw clippings and stuff from the Detroit Free Press covering it, which is still around today. It's like the major news in metro okay. Detroit so my dad reads it shout out shout out to my dad <laughs> um but yeah so like they all like a bunch of local papers covered it and I guess it got national news on some I guess not national but it did go out of state a lot of other states were covering the news of this home being built because it was unbelievable at the time so it's a three-story ha- home, and just in very much, like, Romanesque revival style, they also have a round tower that starts on the second floor. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Is that, like, uncommon? Like, usually they start on the first floor?
0: Well, I'm just... I think it's interesting <laughs> that they have a tower in this home oh, built just in a <laughs> Just a tower in the home in general. <laughs> I feel like a uh, lot of
1: those, like, older-style homes... I don't know the difference between... Uh romanesque and because i'm uneducated apparently um
0: yeah i know nothing but, about architecture
1: <laughs> i just feel like a lot of the old houses look creepy on the outside they have these weird towers they have weird windows <laughs> like
0: yeah you could just so walk anyone, by anyone picturing that type of house this is literally what this house looks like <laughs> they had these tiffany stained glass windows that were like very creepy looking, depicting various scenes from, like, the Bible or history. It's, it was really interesting. They also have a two-story balcony and a two-story carriage house. Another fun fact here. The carriage house originally contained a lift that would take carriages up to the second floor. Weird. Why do you need to do that? But when it was built, it was the largest carriage house in the entire state of Michigan.
1: Really, though, why did they
0: need to go to the second floor on a carriage? I mean, the elevator was not enough, clearly.
1: Is there, like, more storage up there? Like, is there, like, a racetrack? Like, I have a lot of (laughs) questions.
0: So, I know, and I'll get into the rooms and stuff. Um, I'm guessing it's for easier access and like, when they had guests over for what they were entertaining on the second floor. But... Like it's a, so weird, to A two me. story garage. Yeah. And <laughs> just lifted the carriages up there, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So, upon entering the main entrance off of Woodward Avenue, guests would be stepping into the Grand Hall, which is the largest room in the mansion. So, it's not like immediately when you enter, but all the main rooms of the home on the first floor open up to this hall, which is just creating this enormous space. And I guess Mr. and Mrs. Whitney frequently entertained a lot of their friends and guests at receptions and teas, parties, and even musicals in this hall. Very interesting. They had a great amount of rooms, just to include some of them. A ballroom was on the second floor. A The Great Hall, as I mentioned, on the first floor. They had a music room on the first floor, as well as a library that covered was covered in seven-foot high Mahogany bookshelves. In the third floor was Mr. Whitney's art room, more guest rooms and serving quarters, but he basically had his own art museum up on the third floor. So the basement of the mansion had a paneled billiard room and the massive heating system for the home. It is said that Thomas Edison actually designed some of the lighting for the Whitney mansion. As Sydney mentioned to me, the Thomas Edison. The
1: Thomas Edison, the man, the myth, the legend, Thomas Edison.
0: <laughs> he personally designed some of the lighting for this mansion.
1: That really caught me off guard. I was like, wait a second. Is there another Thomas Edison? Is that a common name?
0: <laughs> I, it is not. So in Metro Detroit, it's not called Edison anymore. But that's actually what our like electrical company was called. It's like consumers energy now. But it used to be Detroit Edison as the company. Wow. Yeah. So anyone who might know this, uh, my dad, for example, used to say to me when we would leave the lights on, what do you think I have stock in Edison? (laughs) So they don't do that anymore, say that anymore, but it's more of like an older saying because Detroit Edison. So I thought it was really interesting, but I guess it kind of makes sense. I don't know no history of Thomas Edison, so I don't know if he was like infamous or being in Detroit. I feel like Me I would have known that, but.
1: I just tried to Google it, and the only Edison that came up was the Thomas Edison. So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, it's got to be the same guy.
0: Well, a lighting expert from the Detroit Edison <laughs> Company said. <laughs> That the 1893 lighting system that was in the house was remarkable for its time. So it had to have been the Thomas Edison that, that did this for them.
1: It's got to be if it was remarkable. Come on.
0: <laughs> so a little bit about the family. That is very Interesting. David Whitney's first wife, Flora, actually passed away in Detroit in 1882. So when he was undergoing building this house and moving in, Flora was not involved. However, he had remarried, so his new wife was involved. One year after his death, he actually married Flora's sister, Sarah. (laughs) Interesting. The
1: most scandalous thing of 1892.
0: Yes, so Sarah is not only the aunt to David's four children, she's their stepmom.
1: That's what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> what is this my my mom aunt? like what do they refer to that?
0: Yeah, when she my niece's daughter. <laughs> yeah, when she introduces the kids to people, oh, these are my niece this is my niece daughter, Grace. like what?
1: back then, no, but like nowadays. Yes, I think.
0: I'm guessing it was probably more common, you know, over a 100 years ago, but. It
1: probably wasn't as weird. And I guess it would be easier to introduce your kids to someone they already know. I guess so. (laughs) A familiar face.
0: So David and Sarah and the four children lived in this home. They, again, moved in in 1894, I believe, because actually, yes. Because David only lived in the home for about six years. And then he died of a heart attack on November 30th in, the, in 1900 in the home. He was buried in Woodmere Cemetery. They had a lot of famous neighbor, famous and wealthy neighbors and friends. So one fun fact I saw was that the man who created Hudson's, the old department store, actually was a pallbearer at his funeral thought that was pretty interesting and they even held the viewing of his body on the first floor of the mansion of, of course no wonder, no wonder there are ghost sightings at this home
1: <laughs> I feel like that was common though um back in the day that you would have like a funeral at your location especially if you were like wealthy like yeah. they didn't have like funeral homes like how we did like it was you'd bring the people to your home
0: yeah and have a little so. like,
1: party or whatever
0: Yeah, and this home was massive, so they definitely could have housed the body and all the guests. That's weird. (laughs) So following (laughs) David Whitney's death in 1900, again, having only lived in the mansion for six years, Sarah and the children continued to live in that home. Sarah actually died also in the home in 1917, so 17 years later. And from then till 1932... The Whitney family actually didn't live there anymore. Only a caretaker lived in the home and took care of it and maintained it. In 1932, the Whitney family allowed the Wayne County Medical Society to move in. And in 1929, the Visiting Nurse Association had actually moved into the carriage house. And only the carriage house, they had remodeled the horse stalls into offices for training. The Wayne County Medical Society, when they moved in in 1932, moved in without a down payment on the residence, and the Whitney Estate actually paid the $15,000 a year property taxes for the home and maintained it. And after the Great Depression ended, the doctors, the medical society, were able to start actually taking over the maintenance bills and taxes. But the Whitney family were huge supporters of the medical community. In 1941 the Whitney family gave the house to the Wayne County Medical Society. So when they had moved in in 32, they were just kind of residents and living there. But in 1941, they actually gave the house and it was then owned by the Wayne County Medical Society. And they remained in that home for the next 15 years until a new facility was built. They moved out in 56 and in 57, the Visiting Nurse Association actually purchased the home from them, and they continued to maintain that home until 1979. So they were in there quite a bit. Eventually, it was sold to an entrepreneur, Richard Kuhn. I think of Kung. I just butchered that. <laughs> I have K-U- no idea. I do think it's Kuhn. K-U-G-H-N. He's a big Metro Detroit Um, entrepreneur, apparently. (laughs) I'm sorry if he's listening. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. K. (laughs) So, Mr. K, I'm going to call him that. He actually bought the house, and that's why it was sold to him, obviously. (laughs) Um, But he bought the house because he heard... When it was set to be destroyed, it was set to be destroyed when the visiting nurse association moved out, and he felt that it should be preserved. It was a beautiful home, and he didn't want to lose part of Metro Detroit's his- history. And uh, today, we're very grateful for it because it is still around and standing. In 1986, after a very long and costly restoration, it cost about three million dollars in that time. And he built, brought everything up to code, and he opened a new restaurant. He reopened it to the public. So seven years later, he enlisted crews of students from the Center of Creative Studies to help bring the painted murals all throughout the house back to life. They installed lots of heating and air conditioning units. Again, a state-of-the-art kitchen was installed in the former servants' quarters at the rear of the mansion. So I guess that's probably why it's cost $3 million to revamp it all. The Whitney restaurant that opened was labeled as an American restaurant in an American palace. The dining rooms on the first and second floors were named after their original purpose, and each is uniquely finished. The third floor became a cocktail lounge, and at the time they named it the Winter Garden. And the Whitney restaurant went on to become a culinary leader in the Troy area for many years. Eventually, Mr. K (laughs) sold the mansion to Bud Liebler. I do know how to say that. In 2007, Bud was a former Chrysler executive, and he bought it for more than $2 million. Originally, he had only wanted to buy the carriage house itself. But Mr. K would only sell it as a package deal. So, that is what he did. Liebler shut down the restaurant for a few weeks to do some renovations, including my favorite part of this in the history and research is the exact words were, toning down some of the 1980s paint choices. <laughs> I can only imagine those That's paint good. choices.
1: That's good. <laughs>
0: He also restored a lot of the wood finishes and updated the menu. So he spent about $300,000 as well on updating the garden area. Um, A lot of the landscaping was overgrown. He sent it out, removed it, and today it is still a beautiful garden area. Speaking of today, the Whitney is still in operation. The third floor bar, which was called the... Winter Garden is now renamed as the Ghost Bar. Lots of tales of Whitney's ghosts um, haunting the building and the lore, they named it the Ghost Bar for that attraction. And on the third floor as well, they also have Bud and Patrick run their public relations firm, the Liebler Group, out of other part of it. They still run a restaurant and they actually have a lot of services and events that they have there. They have weekend tea services, Saturday and Sunday brunches, champagne tours, paranormal dinner services, paranormal tours at night on weekends, and a host of multitude of private events, including weddings and corporate events. They also even host garden parties in the summer, which is more like um, Saturday, Sunday, kind of like brunches with a DJ out in the garden. It's a very beautiful area. They have the ghost bar on the third floor and also a pastry shop, which sounds delicious and would love to go. Several paranormal investigations and personal guest accounts have confirmed lots of sightings and weird and spooky experiences with ghosts and apparitions in the mansion. The ghost accounts completely range from full body apparitions of men and women. Footsteps when they turn around, no one's there. Wind movement with no open windows. Random noises and bangings with no explanation. And an elevator that tends to have a mind of its own. According to Bud Liebler in an interview with Opportunity Detroit, he says, We've had employees quit because they didn't like what they've seen or felt. And we've had employees stay because they love it so much. I love that quote. I thought it was so great.
1: <laughs> that is really great. I'd probably the, be
0: one of those weirdos that wants to stay.
1: <laughs> probably same, but there's always like two ends of the spectrum. Like people that are like, this is insane. Why do I work here? And then like, oh, this yeah. is the coolest thing that ever happened to me.
0: <laughs> so as mentioned, Sydney and I watched Ghost Hunters and we went to kind of want to recap you know, some of the paranormal experiences that people see and what they were kind of looking for and our thoughts and opinions on this. So obviously diving in the episode, we go over the history, they talk to Bud and his son and kind of go over some of these exact claims. I thought a lot of them were interesting. An older lady with a floor length, old style dress on With her hair in a bun watching workers clean late at night while no patrons are there in the formal dining room she kind of walks to the window and then disappears on the second floor lots of accounts of a male walking into one of the sitting rooms i believe it was mr whitney's old sitting room in high boots and early 1900s style clothes but when you follow someone into the sitting room no one's actually there Someone saw a little girl in a tutu twirling at the top of the stairs on the second floor. On the third floor, there are claims of a male face being seen in the bar mirror. That's the mirror behind the bar. And then disappearing. And those are multiple claims on that and the older lady as well as the male in the sitting room. An elderly man walking into a curtain on the third floor with no disturbance of it all. It sounded like that was also multiple claims. Definitely lots of, like, cold sprays and, like I mentioned, breezes with no explanation. The elevator tends to follow groups of people around. Um, it opens up constantly when you're on a floor, so it seems kind of spooky. In the basement, objects are often moved or get thrown onto the floor. In the woman's bathroom, this account was one of the most interesting ones to me, is that the woman's bathroom on the third floor by the ghost bar a woman claimed she was speaking to a bathroom attendant and when she got back to the bartender I was like oh yeah I'm just talking to your lovely bathroom attendant and the bartender goes um uh, we don't have a bathroom attendant <laughs> and there was I no lo- one in there
1: <laughs> I loved that one so much I was like this is me after like three glasses of wine I'm like <laughs> I just want to give everyone compliments. I'm like, man, I just had a great conversation with this woman in the bathroom. You should give her a raise. Then you go back and they're like, we don't pay someone to do that.
0: What What do you mean?
1: Who did I just talk
0: to? Yeah, it was super interesting to me. I was like, okay, it could have just been someone random in the bathroom that this lady is drunk and thought it was a bathroom attendant. But uh, clearly what she was saying is she sounded pretty spooked from what the bartender's recount on Ghost Hunters said. In the carriage house, there's a lot of increased activity as well. There is a tea set from Grace Whitney in the carriage house that Mr. Whitney had given her as a gift. And throughout, obviously, lots of construction moving around, everyone noticed that when the tea set is moved, there's a lot of increased activity in this carriage house. So people can get pretty upset. It's not really used for much anymore. It's like a storage space, essentially, is what I got out of that. So there's a lot of random stuff in there. And a lot of it dates back to the Whitney family themselves. And also, Mrs. Whitney's sitting room on the second floor, there's another apparition that walks in and then disappears in front of the windows. So Ghost Hunters goes in, sets a bunch of cameras, and wants to explore and try to establish contact with any spirits that might be there i have some notes on you know things that happened or didn't happen (laughs) so walking around on the first floor in the formal dining room they find a secret passage that (laughs) like they randomly push a button in the molding on the pillars
1: (laughs) so absurd like you knew someone showed you this button (laughs) For sure, and he's just like, "Wait, is this a secret passage? Is a secret passage gonna open?" And uh, miraculously, I just there was nothing back there. I was just like a hole. Yeah, in the wall. it
0: said it was like a where a safe used to be in the wall. But yes. There's no way they have the lights off. They're using their flashlights and like their infrared lighting and cameras, and you just randomly are pushing against the but pushing on the wall and push this button.
1: Of all the spaces that you could touch on the wall, that has to be
0: the one. I would call that out. That They added that for dramatic effect.
1: (laughs) The only thing dramatic about it was me getting upset.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So our next thing is that they are walking around and the elevator door does start open repeatedly on the third floor after they go up there. They took the elevator up to the third floor, and then they noticed that it kept opening afterwards. They're like, "You know what? Let's time this. Let's see if there's a rhyme and reason. And this elevator randomly opening theory is debunked. <laughs> they time it and it opens every five minutes on whatever floor it was last taken to. So that one doesn't pan it's just out old for and us. faulty, yeah, essentially. <laughs> And to be fair, the elevator is very safe, it sounds like, to be used. It's been updated with code, but it's to code and inspected. But it's the original elevator. <laughs> so then they move to the carriage house. Obviously, in the carriage house, they're asking, you know, if someone's there. And they want to make, them a, lo- make a loud noise if someone's here. And like a piece of construction stone falls from behind them. And they aren't sure where I, why it falls. They hear a lot of random noises and thumps, but can't connect it to anything. So another group moves in there, and they decide to move this tea set in the carriage house from one table to a different table across the room. This was very interesting to me. (laughs) I don't think it was to Sydney. But when they move the tea set, they're talking, and then it starts vibrating on and off. Like, the cup on one of the saucers starts like vibrating you hear the noise you don't see it but you can hear the noise and know what that is sydney said you weren't impressed i hate watching ghost shows like i love
1: a good ghost story and i want to hear all about the history but i feel like it would be so much more realistic if something didn't happen every single episode
0: yeah because you gotta think how many paranormal tours are there like nothing actually happens
1: hundreds Thousands, but that makes me appreciate them more because then the one off time that something like does happen, you're like, Holy shit, you're honored that that just happened.
0: Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely interesting watching these shows.
1: I did also, um, another thing that they had mentioned briefly in the episode. Um, they had stated that, or were referencing these patients that had passed there from the, when it was like the, I can't speak, like the medical society and the nursing association. But then I found that really interesting because on the actual Whitney website, there's nothing about that. But I feel like it would also be if they did actually hold patients there, would you want to go and eat in a restaurant that used to have dead bodies?
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't include that in my notes, but I really tried hard to find something to support that. And like you said, on the Whitney website, they go through their whole history, Detroit historical website, historicdetroit.org is another place where I got a lot of information from them. And they all have about the same information and they go through that history. But in Ghost Hunters, they mentioned that I think they mentioned it was like a TB, a place for TB patients.
1: Yeah. It was like a tuberculosis ward. And then they referenced a few times, like the patient, all the patients had passed here. So it could be the patients or it could be like someone of the Whitney family. But then I couldn't really find anything else on Google,
0: like Google about that. Yeah. Me either. So I'm very curious if that's true. So I don't know. It could be, I guess, patients there. It, it sounded more to me like it was more of a home for doctors and nurses to live.
1: That's what I got out of it too. It was more like medical staff.
0: Yes. Then so maybe actually it, treating patients there.
1: Maybe it was medical you know how people like to twist things. Like medical staff for tuberculosis patients, but
0: there Yeah, and no patients, patients there. actually housed there. That wouldn't make sense
1: to me. Something goofy because I there was like nothing else and I feel like if that did happen that would definitely be something people you could find somewhere for sure and people would know about it like there would be a lot more reports on there yeah that's interesting and I do feel like that is something like if it actually was they would talk about it because I mean there's like a whole town in like New York that it was like dedicated to like TB patients that's supposed to be super haunted too Ooh, yeah. All the houses are for sale for super cheap. I look occasionally, but I'm too scared to buy one.
0: Oh my god, can we buy one together?
1: I mean, they're really cheap. It's like, <laughs> the last time I checked, it was like $60,000. And it's like a huge-ass place. but Because nobody wants to live there.
0: We can, like, revamp it. Mm-hmm. We can, like... Oh my god. Yeah, we can totally do that. Okay, we'll we'll sidebar after this. <laughs> On the list. Um. Yeah, so just kind of moving around. Oh, the only other thing that they... Actually, there are two other things that happened. I didn't really think anything of this first one, but they were walking through, like, one of the dining rooms and they heard, like, a voice. But when they were recounting everything for the owners, this was one thing that they kept talking about and kept playing it. So, like, basically they ask if someone's there or whatever. And they heard a noise come back. It definitely sounded almost like a voice or someone talking from far away or, like, mumbled. You couldn't really make out what it says. They are trying to convince the owners that (laughs) it was, like, a woman's voice saying something along the lines of, like, I can't talk or something like that. But I didn't really get anything out of it. I didn't think it was a big deal when I watched it happen until after the fact when they made it a big deal recapping. And the only other thing is they were standing there and they saw, like, a light or reflection come down the stairs and disappear. But they couldn't figure out if it was, like, a light bouncing off of someone else or anything. Their reaction to it was pretty wild. They didn't really get it on camera, but you saw the security camera reaction or, I guess, the security camera footage of their reactions. And that was pretty creepy. (laughs) They definitely looked freaked out.
1: They also went in um, uh, the cage basement. Did you see the cage basement? They kept referring to, what is a cage basement? Is that just a jail cell in a basement?
0: It almost looked like there were, like, a cage for the storage that they had behind, like, a cage. I didn't
1: understand that. I was like, why aren't we just calling it the basement? Why are we calling it the cage basement?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. And nothing happened down there either. I don't know why they called it the caged basement. It was like a normal basement. And then they have like a caged area locked. It reminds me almost like a caged area where they have like storage and restaurant stuff locked behind it. Like
1: Like all all the liquor so your people can't get to it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Essentially recapping overall their opinions when they're talking to the owners. You know, they debunked the elevator theory. They noticed that there was some activity in the carriage house. But they didn't really make any real contact with any spirits. And they basically said, you know, they definitely felt some energy there. Felt like something was there. But no, like, negative spirits. I didn't really get anything much. I didn't get anything out of that. It wasn't very. It was cool to see them walking around. But I didn't get anything creepy off of it at all. The sound makes it sound seem scarier than it was.
1: Agreed. It wasn't as informative as I would have liked it. I wanted to hear more spooky stories and see more of the house, like during the day almost. But no, they have to do it at night with the lights off and scared by their film. Yeah,
0: soon. yeah, I agree. And I even tried to get like. Some recap of anyone's like official accounts or any stories, and I couldn't really find a lot except any like mass websites that talked about it in passing.
1: Yeah, I would say for the most part they were pretty like generic, for lack of a better term. Like, oh, like the children twirling, an older man in one area, women in another area. Like they weren't all very specific stories, like the bathroom attendance situation.
0: Yeah. Listen, I'm a firm believer in ghosts. I believe that they're out there. Why not? I believe in aliens. Heck, I think Bigfoot could be real. We'll talk about it eventually. But... He is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer in, like, that kind of weird, odd, mysterious stuff. So... I definitely believe that ghosts and spirits could be at the Whitney. It's a very old building. Let's be real. Anything that's, you know, 50, 60 years old, you're probably going to have a few deaths and possibly some spirits. But this home is over 100 years old. There's definitely some people still chilling in that house.
1: Agreed. Ghost, Ghost investigators just give ghosts
0: a bad name.
1: They're like the boy who cried wolf. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> they, always, they always see something, and then when they actually see something, everybody's like, hmm, interesting. You've said this before.
0: Yeah, it's basically the same thing in every episode.
1: really grinds my gears.
0: <laughs> well, stay tuned, folks, because this summer when Sydney comes to Michigan... We are going to plan either a dinner or one of the brunches at the Whitney. And we're going to explore on our own. Hopefully.
1: Yeah, hopefully they don't have, like, where I can only go in certain rooms. Because then I'm going to break the rules and go in all the rooms. But
0: It sounds I like to... pretty open on the website that you can take tours and, like, see the house.
1: Well, then, cool. That works for me. I don't have to break any rules that weekend.
0: <laughs> you know, we're not... Don't put it past us.
1: (laughs) It's true. That's true. (laughs) Very true.
0: Well, folks, hopefully you enjoyed the history recap of the Whitney. If you all are in the Metro Detroit area, have been there, or have had experiences, let us know. We want to hear that. We want to know all the spooky stories.
1: I want to hear about a real experience, so please be in my DMs with it.
0: Yeah, you can message us on social media. We also have an email address I figured I'd throw out there. If anyone is interested in telling us their ghost story experience, you can email it to us at tacosandtequilia.gmail.com. Yes, it is T-E-K-I-L-L-Y-A. You can also find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequilia Podcasts.
1: We're on Instagram at Tacos and tequila, minus the podcast. No podcast on Instagram.
0: (laughs) Yeah, give us uh, some case ideas, a like and a follow. You can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. We are live and up there. We're starting to get some reviews and we definitely want to see some more. If you have negative comments, please email us. <laughs> Tell us why we love feedback. No, and you can keep,
1: keep those to yourself.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> we obviously, you know, we're just starting out. We're getting used to it. We want the feedback. We want to know how we can improve. If any of you have suggestions, we'd love to hear it. If you want to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it's even better. Agreed.
1: And I do have a joke for you guys to leave with.
0: Yes, my favorite part. What do
1: you call a tortilla chip that works out? What? A macho nacho.
0: (laughs) That was a good one. I was really trying hard to think of what it could be. (laughs) Also, side note though, macho nacho sounds like it would be on a taco bell menu and I would eat it. <laughs>
1: that does sound like sound like a taco bell item for sure.
0: <laughs> well, folks, we will talk to you next week.
1: Until next time, it's been real. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: Woo <laughs>